This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. And Mia Jankovic. Hello. I got your name right? Yeah. Wow, yeah, well fantastic. I'm getting better at this broadcasting thing. Still no catchphrase from Mia, I see. No. Uh, any, have you been trying any out this week, Mia? Um, I'm, I refuse. What about Mama Mia? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> Abba, something Abba related, maybe. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, fine. Come it on, work, Richard. I it think. does. Well, it's straight off the top of my head, like this entire podcast, Steve. Okay, good. Um, we will start with the news, as always, and I know a lot of the listener come here for their news, so they will be they won't have heard any of this stuff from David Cameron all no. week because they will have ignored the Times on Saturday, the Times on Sunday, the BBC, ITV. They will have waited for us. The Today program. Today course, program, which we'll, we'll talk about shortly. We no, will I, get I, to that. I like how he's been drip feeding his memoirs through to people. I think he should have maybe done it on Instagram instead with these <laughs> pictures of him just looking really sad and regretful. Snapchat stories. Yeah, I think it'd be good him walking on the beach looking regretful. I don't country know. Country burning behind him. <laughs> like on the front, like of, on the front of this week's yeah. New European. It does look like he's had a curry the night before and then gone over the south side of the river. Also, I don't know if you've seen the cover of the New, uh, new European print edition. Lovely New European podcast listener at home. Um, but he is looking down, sadly, while London, Westminster burns behind him, but somebody has pointed out that it does look like he's looking down at a pig's head, <laughs> which is nestling around his genitalia. I had not crossed my mind. So, I went for the fart thing. But, yeah, but anyway. it, it's, a, it, it's a great addition, as always, and a great cover. Um, and we will also crown a Brexiteer of the Week. As always. Firstly, we probably need to tell you about Podcast Live. 
We do. Steve, it's very exciting. It is. And we can announce... We can announce that we will be joined by the great Bonnie Greer. That's right. New Europeans' very own Bonnie Greer will join myself, Steve and James Ball for Podcast Live. It's on the 5th of October, isn't it, Steve? It is. It's at Friends House, which is opposite Euston Station in London's fashionable Euston area. (laughs) Very accessible. Uh, The whole day runs between 10 and 5. I don't know when we're on. We'll, sit, we'll be on for an hour. We'll be in the pub afterwards, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Which which pub should we go to? Uh, should, we, well, should we decide now? We could decide now. One in Norwich? No. <laughs> I think it'll probably be the... Is it called the Crown and Anchor? Well, did we go did to we that go one last time? time? Crown, the Crown and, Crown and Anchor. Anchor. We'll see yeah. you in the Crown and Anchor. Uh, there'll be more pub updates later on as we get closer to the event. We'll yeah. also announce some more special guests closer to the event. But oh. if you want to go... <laughs> I didn't know about that. Well, oh, I'm wow. excited. Wow, I'm, I'm, okay. If you want to go, all the info is at podcastlive.com. Uh-huh. You can click the ticket under our logo and you get front section VIP access to our show. And by VIP access, we mean VIP access. Yeah. You will get free merch if you come. Yeah. There are some free badges. Yeah. Uh, tickets are £13.50. Just for us. That's for us. Or the whole day is £32.50. £32.50. And, I mean, well, it's a bargain. It is. You'd pay that for Bonnie Greer alone. You would. You'd throw me in as well. It's incredible. Buy Bonnie, get pour it free. Yeah. And uh, there's some other people on, aren't there? There's um, our friend Amanda. (laughs) Our friend Amanda (laughs) Chetwin-Cowison. Yes, of course. It was brilliant. Uh, Because we did this, of course, in April, and she was brilliant with us then. Well, she's doing her own podcast with FFS. Sophie Ridge is back from Sky News. Yeah, good old Ridgey. New Statesman. Uh, Stephen Bush is there. Uh, Jackie Smith is on doing the For the Many podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, Marie LeConte, who's got a great book out about Westminster gossip, is doing the Polling Politics um, podcast. And there's also uh, Brendan O'Neill interviewing Rod Little for the Spites podcast. Oh dear. Um, well, Apart from that, it'll be a fun day out. They should put that one on at the same time as us. I hope so, yeah. yeah. Divide, divide your room. audience in the same room. Well, I mean, anything can happen at the end of the... You can still go back and listen to our podcast live on your oh, you on Spotify or which, wherever you get Don't your podcast. You can go back and listen to Last Times. Oh. You see, we're doing it again. And last see. Times ended with Alistair Campbell actually bursting into the BBC's Brexit cast playing uh, the playing bagpipes. The bagpipes yeah. <laughs> it was quite something. It was great. Uh, so do go back and listen to that and whet your appetite for Podcast Live October the 5th. It's going to be great. But uh, right now, we should get to the news. We should. And um, There's been a lot of David Cameron in the news. There has. So let's talk about him. The long-awaited memoir, for the record, is out, um, but has been been trailed for about a week now. Um, I think it's been on just about every media outlet. I turned on QVC the other day, and they were chatting about (laughs) David Cameron, for the record. Mm. uh, but, but, uh, there's lots of things that I want to talk about, um, but but perhaps firstly we should we should get to the uh, some of the bits about maybe Boris and Gove. I thought those have been the standout sort of headlines, haven't they? Some of the things he's been saying about about Michael Gove and, and Boris Johnson, of course, very good friends with um, Michael Gove for many years, and also went to the Bullingdon Club with Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, Mia, what, what have you made of, of David Cameron's comments in interviews? And I don't know if you've read the extract from the book as well, um, but out there, you know, quite, well, 
I mean, he hasn't pulled his punches on, on Boris, has he, or, or, or Michael Gove? I think he's just said an awful lot of what we've been waiting to hear. He's spent about three years pretending that actually it was a great decision to have a referendum, mm, and he's yeah. totally fine with himself about it, and that he doesn't cry himself to sleep at night. And um, it's not the full it's not the full weight of what we'd like to hear from him, but it more or less confirms what we what he must have been going through. You know, his regrets about about at least what it's done to the country. Mm. Um, Steve. I don't. I've got to say, I've been slightly disappointed. But well, he, he's he's given them a kicking, hasn't he? Um, saying that um, Gove was a, a what was it a foam flex for Argus yeah. is quite a good line. That's yeah, probably, really, the, really that's probably the best line in it. The stuff that Boris had texted him uh, shortly before he came out for leave, saying that leave would be, be crushed, crushed yeah. like a toad beneath the harrow. Yeah, that has sort of been out before, um, but it's quite good. The most interesting things that I've heard come out of it is the uh, the suggestion that during the referendum campaign, they, um, they they got in touch with Corbyn's people and said, "Come on, you know, we need him to do something." And he said, "He's, I'm prepared to go to Turkey and make a speech defending free movement," which is absolutely. Extraordinary. I mean, it would just would would have been a huge vote winner, but a a vote winner for Leave. Yeah, quite. Um, And then, obviously, the the revelations on Thursday in the um, uh, on the the show uh, with Philip uh, Schofield. Um, Oh, was he on with Phil? He was on with Phil and Holly Willoughby. And Holly Willoughby. Yeah. And Philip Schofield said. did he pass him a list of names? He said, <laughs> did last he time. Said, remember he, that? <laughs> what an idiot. He said, um, he, he said that Philip Schofield said that on the morning of the referendum, people must have been spitting at the television, Remainers, well, you because of spit all at the your lies. Own television, would you? And David Cameron replied, Believe me, I did more than that. I shat, sorry, I shouted what? at the television. <laughs> It was incredibly frustrating. Did and he say shat? He said, I oh, shat on yeah. the television. He shat on his television? Yeah. I thought he wanted to say spat, but ah. it's like shouted. Did, did, did they make yeah. fun of it? I've missed this. They did. Oh, sorry. They, had, uh, they all they laugh? laughing. Samantha Cameron was absolutely beside herself. She was drunk? What, on that show? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Don't know but here, you know when she... she was drunk on the morning of the referendum? On yes. the morning of the referendum. She, she had to had... have a gin, didn't she? I... I loved. I, As I, indeed, it's lovely. It's many a lo- of us did. It's a lovely dress. That it is, I did yeah. think it's that dress that she was wearing. You point into 10. the dress is not really working on the no, podcast. No, I've got it? a newspaper in front of me, dear listener. But you all remember the sort of got squares on it. It's red at the bottom. I thought she looked a picture. What we didn't know was that she'd been on the Gordons that morning. She wouldn't have Gordons, would she? What would it be then? What's posturing? Well, at least a tank arrive. Probably a, a Bombay Sapphire. Bombay Sapphire? Yeah. My mum's just back from Holden. She's brought me some Bombay Sapphire. Oh, it's good. I Is it nice? Yeah, I like Bombay Sapphire. Usually my spirits just have a supermarket name on them. <laughs> Spa. <laughs> Spa whiskey. Do you know what? I really don't like spirits. <laughs> Gin's fine with anything else I can't take. I like this. I sent Michael a text. Divide the world into team... Pl- I divide the world into team players and... Does he do that all the time? It must be nice. <laughs> Everyone, team players here, over there. I mean, constantly, can you imagine? Uh, and he says, please don't become a and of course then, the, well, what happened was he became well, a I don't think he became a overnight, did he, Michael Gove? I think there's been a history of 
package. Uh, <laughs> There's going to be a lot of bleeps in this section. I would have thought there is, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, Michael Gove does not come out of this well at all, does he? He doesn't, but I hate to say that I'm about to defend Michael Gove, oh, but, it, but it does strike me that... Very polite. It does strike me that he is very polite, yeah. Um, it does strike me that David Cameron was who's shown extraordinary naivety all the way through this process. Yeah. Um, you know, he was naive enough to think that he was going to get away with this, having, having a, a referendum on staying in the EU at a time of massive austerity when, um, and when there was, uh, you know, a load of trouble at Calais and when... Um, there was a terrorist bombing campaign which people conflated with this issue. Mm. Um, and um, But it's, it shows remarkable naivety to think that Michael Gove, who is a lifelong Eurosceptic, talks all the time about his Euroscepticism mm. and talks about the reasons for it, which were related to his stepfather's yeah. um, fishing business fishing. going yeah. down yeah. or, or yeah. smoked fish business or whatever it is going down. Yeah, so it's a, amazing for him to think that Michael Gove would just shut up. Um, well, also, he said, also, he said, also amazingly he? naive for him to think that Boris Johnson wouldn't push then, himself to the front of, of this campaign. But then Gove, well, yes, and, and, and Cameron does say, and you're going to hear some papers rusting, I'm afraid, um, as I try and find <laughs> you're going to point out more dresses. Yes, and doesn't Penny Morton look lovely here? Um, <laughs> uh, it, this is a direct, this is an extract. Gove even declared in a defining moment of the campaign, actually, it's not, it's a, I'm not sure if it's a, no, it's, a, it's from a news story. My apologies from the Sunday Times. Um, so this is the journalist talking. Gov even declared in a defining moment of the campaign, I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. Um, it was an appalling thing to say, um, yet, it sp- uh, yet it spoke to a deep problem in our politics. Um, so Cameron, so that is Cameron speaking. I've got all confused, haven't I? Yeah, that is yeah. Cameron speaking. Um, it, 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 so he's having a go Gov there, and I think it, it is nice to hear him talking about that experts moment because it was one that we highlighted in the New European from the start, Ooh. wasn't it? Um, and, and how that is. He also says about Priti Patel, her behaviour shocked me the most, but I was unable to fire her because that would have made her a Brexit martyr. Yeah. I mean, every time, just look at this picture, you two. <laughs> every time Priti Patel smiles, I feel like she's got planning something evil. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, David Cameron has really come out for her. Penny Morden, she was no longer in the realms of stretching the truth, but ditching it. Leave was lying. Um, Lee, on Cummings and Farage, Leave was a cauldron of toxicity. There was something of the night about Cummings and Farage. Mm. They might as well have said, if you want a Muslim for a neighbour, vote remain. This is, this is strong I've just stuff. just put a quote into, into someone's mouth. I mean, I know you that... You can if it's all... Cummings and Farage. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. I'm, I'm very surprised at myself for coming out for Cummings and Farage so that's right now. The, but so exclusive on the pod. Mia loves Dominic Cummings and Nigel Farage. And, and, and the, particularly their stance on Islam. And whereas yeah. I'm backing Michael Gove all the way. <laughs> but it's, I mean, all right. I mean, as a journalist, I can see where you're coming from on that one. But he's right. That's exactly what they were doing. Cummings, mm. as we've spoken about on this podcast before, was letting Farage do it. Mm. But Farage was quite happy to do it. And yeah. I think it's good, actually, that Cameron has come out and said this. He could have just gone... He could have just written a bland um, autobiography about being a Tory and done a chapter on Brexit and not slagged Boris off, not slagged Gove off, not had a go at anyone. I mean, you know, we've all read boring ones. God almighty, there's a full two pages 
in uh, David Blunkett's about wiping a child's nose at a school in Sheffield. I'm <laughs> honest to God, there is. It is dull. T- Tony Blair. That reads like a lawyer's oh, book, yeah. to be honest. God, sorry, Tony, but you should have let me ghostwrite that book because it's rubbish. Um, there's good stuff in this. Yeah, there's some good stuff in it. Yeah. I think it's. I think from the stuff I've read, this is a page turner. I really do. Let's talk about his his feelings during the campaign because he talks um, quite a lot about that. And this is my copy of the Sunday Times. This is a good tabloid because <laughs> uh, he talks about how he was very confident to begin with, and how I mean, I think we knew that he's a, a gambler and he won the Indy Ref as well, and he was. Um, you know, he, he believed that he was lucky and a winner, um, but then he got more and more bogged down as he went through. Do you think it was dawning, or you think he's trying to say that it was dawning on him that that it wasn't going to plan? He starts picking up the, uh, the, the <laughs> as I think all of us did, the sort of vibe that it wasn't going to be as easy as possible. Um, but I think actually, if he looking back on his on his notes now, as he will have done, I guess, to write this book, he probably realised even sooner than that. He was very. You were talking about his naivety. I think the campaign. He felt bogged down. But if he'd been alive to what was going on, he probably would have read the signs earlier. Mm. Michael Gove saying, "If I do decide to opt for Brexit, I'll make one speech. Yeah. That'll be it. I'll play no further part in the campaign." And then they all line up at leave headquarters one by one and start back. I mean, then Cameron must have. St- uh, you know, he, yes, his exactly. bluster and his confidence got him through until it sounds like from the extracts a couple of weeks before polling day when he started to worry. Yes, and he had the, the talk with um, uh, with Osborne about, you know, what would happen and, and clearly yeah. they'd, they'd sort of planned out that that uh, Cameron was going to go then, which... Um, well, that's interesting. Which we'll talk about in a second when we come to yeah. talk about his interview with John Humphreys. Yeah. There was there's also... Uh, the extracts are fascinating. I, I've re- I think it's been really good, but there's also been some really good bits of journalism around it. In the... Uh, I think it was the Saturday Times magazine, um, Andrew Billen sat down with him and... Andrew uh, Billen uh, is a great and, and interviewer. And, and, it's, and it's really, really good. And a nice good. man. Yeah, it, did you see the um, again? We're talking about pictures. That's not useful. Did you see the the note on Twitter about um, about what book has been removed from his bookshelf in yes, that picture? That was interesting. All oh, right, go on then. Um, well, have a guess. What book was removed? Uh, was it Pig Husbandry for <laughs> <laughs> Amateurs, Beginners? Well, you, referendums it would, it would be for experts. Yeah, it would be for advanced. <laughs> advanced it's, uh, I don't actually. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually know which book it was, but it did have... Nil by Mouth. The that's more of a film, isn't it? A DVD. Was it Barnet? Uh, Leon the Pig Farmer. Was it another DVD? Was it a Peppa Pig book of Peppa Pig? It would be Mummy Pig that he would fancy, obviously. Yes. We're not suggesting he's a pervert. No. <laughs> um, I mean, he has a go in this interview. Well, what book was it? Do you know which book no, it was? No, I don't. All oh, right, what well, yeah, yeah. It was a book which had the massive letters Hitler on the side. It, oh. <laughs> it wasn't just any book about Hitler. It was the one with the biggest word, Ian Hitler. Kershaw. Was it, was it possibly the... typographically <laughs> caught it? on the side of a book? Hitler, the things he did right. <laughs> it was. Hitler, the, the, the bright side. He got some, yeah, I got he some, had some of it good right. ideas. Um, and it was, that was visible in a picture of Samantha Cameron and her chums, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. Trying to see what um, else is there. And they compared the two to find these things. He's got that Thatcher book that I've got. What's that one? That's not helping, is it? That one I've got. That one He's got, got. Uh, oh, Ian Banks. Uh, Which Ian Banks is that? I can't see Storm or something or other. 
something something by someone called Nelson Mandela. Never heard of him. No. Uh, something by John Peel. John Peel. Um, Interesting. Oh, and then he's got the that looks like the this is very boring uh, podcasting. Isn't well, it? Well, look, what, listen, the read, 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 the listeners looking at you reading the Sunday Times. Listening got, to you, he's got some very nice chairs though. I do like. He his has chair. got a very nice gaff. Yeah, he's got a very nice gaff. Uh, do you reckon he wears this trouser shirt combo and, and black shoes all the time? Uh, I think he probably does. Do you you know what Colonel Kurtz would say if he had his shoes on on the rug like that, don't you? Get those shoes off. Get them feet off. (laughs) (laughs) They would be coming off at the guillotine. So do you have to take your shoes off when you enter your girlfriend's (laughs) parlour? No. It's not not carpeted. It's not carpeted. (laughs) But there are rugs, and they are white. Oh, you have to keep your feet off the rugs. Yeah, so you're not even allowed to look at them. Is there any? <laughs> what about red wine? Is it red wine oh, consumed no, at no. home? Well, I'm not. I, I don't. I, I gave up red wine many years ago after an incident with a hotel in Germany. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Neil, what else? Have, what else have you got to say about David Cameron while Richard reads the Sunday Times? <laughs> He's actually moved on to the Saturday Times. I've moved, well, I've moved backwards okay. onto the Saturday Times. There's some fascinating stuff in this. It's a great. This Bill and interview is brilliant. He says um, he's, he's saying to Cameron, "A lot of people, you went away and we didn't see you, and you've been in your shed, basically at the bottom of the garden, smoking cigarettes." In your wheelie shed, yeah. as Theresa May. Twenty-five thousand pound. What's it called? That shed? shepherd's hut. Shepherd's hut. Twenty-five thousand pound shepherd's hut. My friend Big Steve makes shepherd's huts. Big Steve. Big Steve. Can you make Cameron's Does that make you little Steve? I am little Steve next to Big Steve. He's very big. He's also he's also country country music singer. Is he? Yeah. Big Steve Arlene. Has Check he, him out. Has he ever smashed a guitar over anyone's head? I don't know. In a sort of barroom brawl. Gentle man, I would say. Yeah. All right. Um, very talented man. So big Steve, check him out. The Arlenes. All right. Good. We could have Big Steve on the pod. Well, he's he could play us out one time. Yeah. Um, so, Bill, and I'm trying to get to this point, you two keep butting in. Bill is making the point that Cameron is wealthy, he's an old Etonian, he's happily married, etc., etc., etc. And a lot of people have said, well, you've been in your garden, Brexit to you, water off a duck's back. Um, Cameron says this, I hope the book goes somewhere to addressing that, and also that the idea that upon losing I just disappeared and swanned off. I thought it would be in Downing Street for three to four month period, helping with the transition to a new Prime Minister, and then suddenly... Thanks to Andrea Ledson. I added that bit. Um, all that collapsed, and I was out within a matter of days. I totally understand how that impression caught on. I mean, that is something that we've charged him with previously on this podcast, probably, isn't it? Just disappearing. Yes. Do you think that through comments like that and some of the other sort of more human aspects that have come across in last week of Cameron, I mean, it, do you feel even the slightest bit sorry for him or Mia? I don't feel particularly sorry for him. You are. You no, very. I can't. I can't hard, produce any kind of major sympathy. Um, I do think that that entire argument on you know um, him kind of just running off straight afterwards. I feel like that is sort of done history. You know, I think that the major major point of lack of responsibility in, in the hallmark point of lack of responsibility in his career is always going to be calling the referendum. Mm. Whether he stays on to manage afterwards, I mean, if, if he had stayed on to manage af- afterwards, I don't know how much would have been that different. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, let's just jump in with the Humphreys thing there, and we'll mm. maybe maybe we'll just come back to Humphreys at the end of this camera piece. But because he did make that point again on the Humphreys. Well, interview. I thought it was a strange yeah. line of interviewing to go in on that. Actually, that you told me you'd stay on, but then you didn't think. Well, I, I thought that was a strange opening question from Humphreys. So that opens that opens up the, the discussion of John Humphreys, doesn't it? It was his final show on yeah. Thursday, you, and you're right. His his first question, and in fact, in fact, his first three questions. Yeah. More than that, were variants so. of on, and it was an interview on the morning of the the referendum, wasn't it? The polling day, yes. On poll on on polling day, you told me that you would from. stay on, yeah. you didn't stay on, and he asked it three times, and that does say quite a lot about what John Humphreys is. You know, some people are, some people are just, you know, the people say this of you in in about the New European podcast. Some people <laughs> just stay on too long. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and um, they said that about Jerry. They did, yeah. <laughs> That's why she had to go. That's why we, we, we had to bring him here. Um, well, well I, I, I mean, the, the the you know the the point when he finally did get to the point about having regrets about the referendum as an interviewing tactic. You know, then then Humphrey sort of leapt straight in on him when he started to answer, started to answer the question, and then gave him a bit of time to run on with a fairly predictable kind of response. Mm. Um, he. he was much more interested in kind of almost obsessively hammering him on the decision to walk away. I, I, I thought it was it odd. Was. I, I, I know that, Steve, you're a big fan of John Humphreys, aren't yes. you? Mia, you're also a massive fan. Mm. <laughs> I did turn on the radio on, looks really on Thursday morning and the first thing I heard as I was yes. getting into the shower was, was, was it Rabbi Sachs, I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, saying, explaining how John Humphreys, in a very real sense, was, is like a biblical prophet. Yeah. Is, that, is that better or worse than the time just the other week when they went to an actual knitting shop to talk about how good knitting shops were oh, after goodness. the yeah. programme yeah. was criticised well. for being like a knitting shop? Well, listen, yeah. I, I, I am a fan of the Today programme. It's been with me for many years, even when my... My um, my peers were listening to the Radio One. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the Today program. So John Humphreys has been a big part of my life for a long time. And yes, he's grumpy. And yes, he's probably a bit Brexity. And yes, sometimes he dives in on interviews and, and, and ruins them. But he, he's our John, you know. Mm. And I'm sad to see him go. Um, we would agree on very little, I'm sure. But there we go. I've got to say, I spent a long time not listening to the Today programme after years of listening to it religiously. Uh -huh. And over the last <clears throat> five years or so, I've listened to it a great deal more. And my perception, and this could just be coloured by the last three years in particular and my uh, own personal prejudices, but my perception has been that he inter he has he's developed a habit of interrupting people uh, of the left and of Remain uh, much more than he interrupts people of the right and of Leave. And he also interrupts women a lot more than he interrupts men. What I would, uh, which what, I, which what are things I would that say I do <laughs> not remember. Sorry, I'm interrupting no, you. I was there. interrupting oh, you. Oh, OK. Here's a gag. Um, uh, well, I mean, what what is true is that... Um, Brexiteers would say exactly the same as that, but they would say that he interrupts Brexiteers more. It's the Andrew Neil thing, isn't it? If you're listening in a certain way, I don't know either way. I really don't. It annoys me when he uh, when he butts in sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mm. defending him um, for doing it, um, but you know, the BBC gets 
a kick in from Brexiteers just as much as it does Remainers. You know, I write yeah. things. I write things outside the New European, and I get told I'm a Brexiteer all the time. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I am writing for, you know, for Westminster. And uh, <laughs> which is shut down, hasn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, as soon as they hired Porrit, <laughs> it went down. Uh, yeah. I thought I it was. You, a, oh, sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. No, no. If you cherry pick one example from one pundit only one time, you're always going to be able to find something that you just didn't agree with the call that they took, or you think that they didn't have the right emphasis. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for just letting letting it all pan out over time. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. And Sarah Sands, who was uh, formerly my editor and is now the editor of the Today programme. Um, was on the uh, media show uh, earlier in the week talking along those similar lines. You know, in a five-minute section of the Today programme, it may seem biased over three hours. Hopefully it isn't. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, it was a very corny ending. Did you hear the end? I didn't today, hear the end. Today no. is important for tomorrow, was his final oh, words. Dear, oh, dear. Uh, Which was very corny. But we've got to remember that John Humphreys wasn't always the John Humphreys we've known in the last two years. I mean, he was... He was the first reporter on the scene at Aberfan. Yeah. He, was in, he was out in the States, I think, during Watergate. I mean, he was a very uh, storied and, and, um, and, and good news reporter before he landed on the 6 o'clock news, was it, or the 10 o'clock news that he used to? It was, it was the 6 o'clock problems. news, wasn't it? Um, back in the 80s. So, you know, and he's been to this since 1987. I know. And, you know, he used to... I mean, he sort of... He's, he, he seemed to have... Well, I was going to say he copped a lot of his shtick off Brian Redhead, who was the the presenter. But you know, maybe you know, maybe those that, that was just the sort of the, the the maybe it was hard not to copy Brian Redhead, who had a, a real uh, unique style of interviewing and badgered people yeah. and everything. But he seemed to do it. Brian Redhead seemed to do it in a, with. A, I don't know, a bit more of a chuckle, but obviously Brian Redhead has been gone for, uh, sadly gone for quite a long time now. And we've um, got, I mean, it ha- things have changed, haven't they? I mean, there was a great fashion for the Paxman interview style on TV for a long time. We don't see that as much anymore. No, mm. no. Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Nick Robinson as well, and I think he's brilliant on the Today programme, but he, he's got a different interview style to, to Humphreys. Yeah, I've preferable uh, oh yeah in, in I, my, I would agree in no. my in my view i, I, I mean i thought completely. it was i thought the, the 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 really telling interview of the week was that humphreys did was not with cameron it was with the uh, uh is she a french mep or the natalie loiseau uh-huh. who was on talking about the boris johnson's disastrous Trip to Luxembourg. Yeah. Always, you know, every time he's let out now, it's a new disaster. Isn't yeah, we it? should probably get onto that. It's like you know, it's like when you, it's like if you like let a pig out of a petting zoo, isn't well, it? Cameron chasing you know after him, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With his trousers Tripping down. Over. <laughs> Um, and it's hard, we, isn't it, when your trousers are around your ankles? We used to have a reporter that was <laughs> referred to as the family what? dog, right? Because whenever we let him or her yeah, exactly, right. out of exactly. the office, they went and rolled in fox muck and brought it back in with them. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. is somewhat. I think Boris Johnson has become the family dog, hasn't he? Yes, exactly. But of course, he he sort of Humphrey started this interview by saying, "It's this is all a big stitch up, isn't it?" And he's, you know, and it's in his devil's advocate way, obviously. But you do sense that the. Advocacy is, is much. It seems to be much stronger when he's playing devil's advocate from mm-hmm. the leave side, and it and it concluded with, uh, with uh, her saying to him, you know, 
he, he said, well, you know, what do you think the British government should do? And she said, I'm not a spokesman of the British government and neither should you be. Yeah. And, and it was actually quite a... There was, it was a bit of a gulp moment, you know. Well, I think uh, it is... T- I, think, I think as sad as I am to see John Henry's go, it's probably because I've, I've got used to him and I've, you know, he's become part of the furniture of my life. Um, but I do agree that it... it it is time for him to go. You know, this was the right moment, if not even a few years ago, frankly. Yeah, yeah. But um, I just want to make one more point before we get into some other news uh, from from Cameron because th- uh, this is fascinating. When during the time uh, that he he was trying to convince Boris to to back Remain, mm. um, he said uh, that he that he would give Johnson a top five cabinet job if he backed Remain, um, and hinted at defence secretary. Um, Johnson resisted that bribe uh, this isn't Cameron speaking uh, it's become very complicated this hasn't it Johnson resisted that bribe and another perhaps decisive nail was banged into the coffin of Remain if Johnson had backed Remain would Remain have won? I think it's entirely possible I think it's definitely possible I mean yeah. that's extra- I've n- yeah. that had never, it's never crossed my mind until I read that paragraph Yeah. That if, I mean obviously I knew about Johnson writing the two letters and that he, there was every chance that he would back Remain Cameron, of course, accuses him of backing leave simply for career purposes, how, you know, and adds, "How could he possibly not want to lead?" He thought, "How could he possibly not want to lead that campaign?" But you know, those two he's, letters. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good with a positive message very often. Um, Boris Johnson during his leadership campaign, you know, notably took this kind of consistently. I'm the generous giver of positive uh, messages kind of stance, mm. um, and it would have worked for him with Remain if he, you know, he's also, you know. You can tell that in in the back room, talking to people, actually trying to make deals, he's 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 turned out to be pretty terrible at attempting to bully people. Yeah. But when he's attempting to bring people with him, with a kind of big vision, yeah, he can. You know, I think he would have been quite persuasive to the country. I think that's a really good point, actually. Um, yes, and, and uh, probably the most fascinating piece of all the reams of newspaper that I've read on David Cameron over the past. Some of which you've read. In the last twenty minutes, yeah, no, no, it's all pre-read. I just read it again. You just like to read it. Did again. you not see the highlights? Just to be, yeah. And there was some annotations say, "Oh, nice dress." Can I? Say, <laughs> yeah. Can I? Can I say that of all the people who've interviewed David Cameron this week, mm. who would you really have liked to have seen? <laughs> Philip Schofield was high on my list. And Holly Willoughby. <laughs> yes, um, the person that I would I'll, really come like. On, then, to let's have all seen. pick someone who could have could have interviewed David Cameron. This week, Danny, still Danny Dyer. Danny Dyer. Why did nobody get Dyer and Cameron into, that would have been fantastic. into a room? Why didn't we get Dyer and Cameron into a room? Well, we don't know either of them. It would have been a bit weird <laughs> yeah, I if used we to just date, phoned them up. I used to date Danny Dyer. Did you? Yeah. Danny Dyer? Yeah. The, the daughter of... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. None of this is true. No. <laughs> don't come round and beat me up, Danny Dyer Senior. <laughs> I'm sure your daughter's lovely. I've never even looked at her. Mia. Uh, I can't best that. I'm sorry. It's, uh... <laughs> what about Bob Carroll, Jesus, and Spit the Dog? They would have been good, yeah. They'd have been spitting at his teeth. Spitting at David. <laughs> well, exactly. Spitting and shatting. And then... and... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, don't go around David Cameron's house. Don't have David Cameron around and watch the cup final. Miss Piggy? Miss Piggy would be going to be all flirty with him, wouldn't she? <laughs> he'd love that. And then oh. give him the old... Oh, he'd love that. Give Samantha Cameron the old karate chop. <laughs> And then she'd just disappear off screen and his eyes would cross. <laughs> I can't believe how much mileage you get out of this pig thing. It's incredible. 
he talks about eating, doesn't he? And he says um, he does talk about eating. He, he he basically admits to lying about his drug intake. And yes, uh, eating and talks about university and. I liked him just as a I, final I, thought. Really I like him more him. now than I have done for a long time, and I was no, I was obviously no great fan of David Cameron, but I didn't hate him. I always thought if you had to have a, if you had to have a Tory leader, David Cameron's probably the best you're going to get um, at that stage. Mm. I always thought that he's bit old fashioned, but c- the calling, best of that, I mean, if it was him and David Davis, you would well, pick quite. him. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt I felt like we dodged a bullet. Yeah, and and you know the. The, all, the stuff about the referendum, I think he called it because I think that <laughs> it's that old PPE thing, isn't it? It, it bred the confidence into him and yeah. it, it was hubris and, you know, it, politicians do that. They are gamblers and he had one and he constantly said, I'm a gambler, I'm a winner, and he isn't. Yeah. And he spent the last few years realising he's an all human being, uh, fallible, very fallible in this instance. And, and there's some stuff in there that I... You know, I felt uh, we're, there's a really interesting anecdote where he says his um, his his daughter was. It does sound like they've got a really the, the Camerons are a really nice family, and and Sam Cam I've always liked. And their daughter was taking Romain in stickers into school, right? <laughs> trying to canvas the kids, mm. and one of the older little girls said, "So you're in, are you?" And she said, "Yeah." And she said, "The older girl said, well, f- off." <laughs> so, so little little Cameron, little baby Cameron said, "No, you f- off," and that is basically what David Cameron did to the country. That's what he did. <laughs> Encapsulated. <laughs> yeah. Encapsulated in a school ground fight. Um, Shall we talk about the current prime minister? Yes. And his absolutely travails. What's his um, name again? Uh, well, Johnson. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Johnson. Um, and he went to uh, where did he go to? Whips Cross. Whips Cross. Oh, yes. And he went to the hospital. He went to a hospital in Whips Cross. And he went to visit people in the hospital. You can do that old gag now, and that made him feel better. Yeah, exactly. In the event of... It's <coughs> like those. Do you, remember when, do you remember when Mrs Thatcher went to a hospital to, <laughs> to visit some victims? of? It might, you know, it might have been the Bradford Fire or something like that, and yeah. Private Eye printed a card, <laughs> didn't they? Like a, a donor card that you could cut out and put in your wallet and it said, if I'm ever in an accident or a tragedy, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't want Margaret Thatcher to, in, to um, visit me in hospital. Um, but he did go to Whips Cross. A, 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 an old friend of mine, retired journalist now, was shot in... Shot? Yeah, with a gun. Right. <clears throat> in the During the Tottenham um, riots. Oh, yes. Back in, what would that be, 81, 82? Broadwater Farm. Broadwater Farm. Um, and he was in his hospital bed and uh, and lots of dignitaries came to visit him and he, when they asked what was wrong with him, he would tell them, I was shot in the penis. Oh, God. <laughs> oh blimey. <laughs> Only the Queen said, can I see? <laughs> That's not true. No. <laughs> before, before Buckingham Palace are on the phone. <laughs> um, anyway, but, uh, Boris yeah. Johnson in hospital... And then so things got out of hand. What happened next, Mia? Well, he then gets accosted by a very, very upset man who is justifiably upset because his da- his daughter, his seven-day-old daughter, mm. has been basically neglected overnight. Um, he charges Boris Johnson with having... So what, did, uh, what did the guy allege about the... 
Well, he said, what did he allege? Yeah, the the, the, the the chap with the baby. What did he allege had happened to his daughter overnight? Just that there wasn't the, the, staff. There hadn't and... been enough staff. That there was uh, one registrar for about two wards. Mm-hmm. Um, said it was all just a bit of a mess. But he sort of just said this is a result of years and years and years of neglect of the NHS. Because just to make it clear, he wasn't suggesting that the staff could have done anything more. He was suggesting that the, there, were two, yeah. there weren't enough staff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, then he sort of turns and sort of says, you know, you, you come here for a press opportunity, and of course. Boris Johnson manages to say the worst thing possible, denies that it that there's any press there in <laughs> yeah. front of the cameras. Yeah, that are, you know, and it was funny watching that through press association footage. That's how I yeah. learned of the argument. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so he gestures to these cameras, and it's it's just a terrible point. Um, uh, he's not the first prime minister to be accosted in a hospital, of course. To Tony Blair, famously in two thousand and one election campaign, yes, I think. that's right. Um, they are dangerous places. Um, for well, lots of people die there for a start, but um, uh, for prime ministers certainly. Um, but and everywhere seems to be dangerous for Boris Johnson we, right now. Yes, that's right. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it seems like it seems like. I've just Any got your of... red wine girlfriend gag, by the way. It's just a penny has just dropped. Yeah, yeah. The red you wine. don't want the red wine on there, do you, on the white rugs? No, you don't. Um, but it seems like any one of these things would have finished off Gordon Brown or Ed Miliband or something like that. But it seems like, as we said, with the, the, the dog running around or the, the, the yeah. pig being Fun. let out of the petting zoo yeah, yeah. or the <clears throat> monkey that escapes from the zoo, yeah. it, it seems like this happens to Boris Johnson every time he goes out. But then we discovered that none of this this articulate man's well-founded rant about the NHS didn't matter at all. Yeah. Because somebody, who knows, whether it was journalists or whether they were tipped the wink by somebody, because they all seemed to discover this at the same time, didn't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Discovered that this bloke was a Labour activist, because mm-hmm. it said on his... Twitter account, yeah. I am a Labour activist. Yeah. And then suddenly it didn't matter what he said at all, even though everything he said was true. And, and you, you guys have got... I've got a view on this, but you guys have got a view on what a certain BBC political editor did as well regarding Twitter, haven't you? Well, I mean, basically there's been another chapter in the ongoing onslaught against Laura Koonsberg, who mm. I feel for because of what we were saying earlier, really. In yeah. this case, she made I think she made a significant mistake because yes. um, just like her colleagues, every other colleague did this, uh, as far as I can tell, I'm pretty sure Sky News did it. Yep. The correspondents said... Oh, TV did it. Paul Brand, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Did the same thing. I think Sky did the same. Yeah, yeah they tweeted saying it's worth mentioning he's an activist and this is this is deeply relevant contextual information about this man doesn't mean that he's he's not absolutely right in what he's saying doesn't mean he has no right to speak it doesn't mean any of those things doesn't mean that even in that 24 hours that he was motivated by anything but sheer concern for his daughter in the nhs but um but of course people have um accused laura koonsberg of being yet another kind of tory shill Mm. And it's become a real problem for her. And one of one of the things she did, which I think was a mistake, wasn't just saying he he happens to be a Labour activist. You should know this, mm. um, without commentary, of course. Um, but she also retweeted his tweet, which mm. other people have done. Mm. But I think when you have a major Twitter following, says me, who doesn't, um, being retweeted by someone huge is just inevitably an invitation to a pylon. Yeah, so pylon being um, whereby uh, people not an electricity you, pylon. No, people you. I, I guess a, the term comes from lots of people pylon, jumping onto yeah. you. So um, you know, you, you get people you've certainly never heard of or met in the flesh 
giving their two pennies worth, and usually it's quite extreme. It's it's horrible. I think you've got to remember. I mean, there are there are Ipso guidelines around this kind of thing. I don't think this actually would be would win in an Ipso argument, but there is a clause for um, intrusion on intrusion on distress and grief and distress. Is it mm-hmm. one of these uh, um, shock and grief? Yeah. And this man yeah. can be argue, is arguably in shock. Well, I, t- I mean, I mean, frankly, I wouldn't really like that at all. Say, well, he put himself, he <laughs> I, put himself yeah, out there into the public that, eye, so that's why I don't think it would I win. It, but it's relevant to that discussion. I think, well, well, firstly, since we've got our serious heads on, um, I, I, it's very relevant that he's a Labour activist. Yes. And that, it, it, it Steve, do you agree mentioned. with that? That it should be mentioned? I think it, yes, I think it is relevant that he's a Labour activist. It's not the point of the story... It isn't the point of the story, but it is relevant. So, and I think it, anyone yes. out there who thinks it shouldn't have been mentioned, I'm afraid you're just wrong. Yes, um, it, it should be mentioned, but the point of the story should be. I think. I think you know, if I was writing it as a, for for a newspaper, I would be saying um, Boris Johnson gets a kick in. This chap was worried about his daughter. He claims to want enough staffing. By the way, he was, he's also a Labour activist. You've got to put that in there. You don't need to you know, invite commentary or anything I think know, that, of that kind. But. We can comment, though. Is, he, is a Labour activist more likely to go after a Prime Minister that just happens to be visiting the, than, a, than a Tory activist well, or, a norm, or, a, or someone who doesn't vote either way? If, if, I mean, if he was a Labour activist who was a hospital porter had come in to, you know, for an outpatient appointment, etc., etc., it would have... Then, arguably, it would... Well, not arguably, definitely, it would have had a lot less impact than it it did. The fact that his seven-day-old daughter um, is in hospital is clearly extremely worrying. And that guy's primary motivation was my seven-day-old yeah, daughter is that, in yeah. hospital. It was not, but what I'm saying I am is a Labour activist and here is, and, and she was not given the care that I want her to have overnight But do you think because that, of austerity and budget cuts. It wasn't, I am a Labour activist and now this is a great opportunity for me to ambush Boris Johnson. Mm. But the, the real issue, and we saw it again Previously, previously, at the end of last week, when he went to Rotherham and he was asked at a press conference in Rotherham, you said that police forces were spaffing money up the wall against on cases of historic child sex abuse. And he said, that's not what I said. And it was exactly what and he said. And you can literally just stick that into YouTube. And yeah, you can. Yeah. And the real issue is that he is a habitual liar. He, he, he is a habitual liar. He, he is so... He cannot... I, I, my most generous assessment is there in this is that he's so used to being followed around by cameras on these walks that he had some mental division in his head between what is an actual press conference where he answers about two and a half questions anyway and what is just some TV cameras following him about. I mean, mm. he, he... I that. You've yeah, been very he, generous. I'm, I'm bending yeah. over backwards for Boris Johnson here. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just going, you know, to go back to the point about the information, that information doesn't need to be about him being uh, an activist. That information doesn't need to be made a sell and dance out of. It does need to be there. Someone sort of said, I don't think anybody cares whether he's a Labour activist or not. But I think the journalist's response is to say, we've got to tell you that. And then you actually have the opportunity to decide if you care if he's a Labour yes, activist I agree. or not. I agree. And that is, that's, you know, yeah. the saying that I think was very important. I think the, 
you know, there's a fairly strongly worded BBC News um, tweet defending Laura Coombsberg uh, and saying this is all absurd and she isn't biased. And there have clearly been a huge number of complaints to the BBC I mean, about Sky Laura Coombsberg. Sky haven't Kingsburg. had to do this, nor have, um, no. nor have ITV. No, nor have ITV. She has, I mean, she has got a million... Twitter followers I guess the other compared to Paul Brand who's got about 50,000 I think or 40,000 yeah. it might be I guess I guess the other thing is that uh, you know the, the BBC is funded in a very unique way much like we are now not true um, yeah. but but yeah. I agree I think that to, to the 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 treatment of Laura Coonsberg and some others by a certain section of um, of of people has been a disgrace and it's been a disgrace for some time I mean it was absolutely shocking to see her with a with an armed guard at conference last year. Well, yeah. I mean, just and, and you know, is she going to have the same? You know, look at this is this is in the, right in the lead up to the Labour conference, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And is she going to need the same? And I think a lot of the people who are piling on Laura Coonsberg yeah. Um, yeah. are those people yeah, who yeah. who are offended, yeah. but because she has challenged well, Jeremy Corbyn. It's two and, years ago. It's almost two years ago. Back in Brighton, which is where Labour are again. When I was, you know, I, I came in for some stick from, from momentum activists. And all I was doing was talking to them. You know, the, the, there, there is, not all, not all by any means, but there is a thuggish element of momentum. No. And it has been them that's been after Laura Coonsberg. We, we're really stretching time-wise on There's this all, news, I mean, guys. We need to speak about Jeremy mm-hmm. Corbyn. There is, but there is also, you know, I mean, again, part of this is because she is a woman, isn't, oh, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that is the most one. That is perhaps the most disgraceful thing yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is an absolutely brilliant journalist, and she has worked hard for for her entire adult life to get to the position she's in. And she's very, very good at it. Mm. She's not biased. It's complete nonsense. If you think she's biased, then I don't think you should listen to this podcast. But I, I agree with you. But I do think that for the re- reasons, Mia. Eloquently said before, she was. She was, made a mistake. On she this made question. a big mistake yeah, here, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that no matter what the BBC say outwardly, you could see that she had made a big mistake yeah. because mm. on the Wednesday night, uh, ten o'clock news as it is now, when this, I mean, they had a very good report <laughs> about that they a pre-planned report about. I think it's about children's homes. Uh, apologies, um, uh, but it was it was a very good report that they led off with. But this was clearly one of the biggest stories of the day, and it, it came in at the twenty-one minute mark. Yeah, you know, it was that was not a story that you would do at twenty-one minutes when you had this electric footage of yeah. the mm. Prime Minister of Great Britain yeah. lying yeah. Um, yeah. to the yeah. country. Well, or, or is it because we've come so used to it, frankly? Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree with. I, I we're all agreed. Brilliant. What about Jeremy Corbyn? Are we all agreed on him. Well, it's going to be a very interesting Labour conference, isn't it? Because... Well, we said that last year, we said it the year before, and not very much changes, frankly. Well, I'll tell you what has changed. It, has Jeremy Cole... Is the Labour Party conference now about attacking the Lib Dems as much as it is about attacking the Conservatives? Because I know that you think the Lib Dem conference was a bit of a damp squib. What, what would make you think that? Um, because you said earlier on, I think it was a bit of a damp squib. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Um, As a Lib Dem conference, I actually thought... <laughs> That's an improvement, frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year it's been a damp squib. The squib yes. is damp. Yes. <laughs> At least it's been a squid. We've got a squid. Yeah, we've got a squid, and that's got a squid. and that's exactly who brought the squid. And that's Chucker. exactly what I, I would say. Chuck brought a squid. Everyone, a squid has been introduced. Oh my Dance god! Or not? It's, 
Has he really got a squib? Um, so I'm very interested in what will happen now with the Labour Party conference just because of that. Well, they are trying to... There is basically a large Remain element attempting to get this vote across. So, I yeah. mean, shall I recap on yes, Corbyn's please. general pitch for the his yeah. map for the, for the near future? Are you going to explain Jeremy Corbyn's Brexit position? <laughs> I thought we were sure. Wow. That's, that's impossible. Come on, Mia. <laughs> We've, only got another, We've only got another 20 minutes. Can you do it in Russian? OK, so, obviously, as we know, he uh, wants a general election as soon as no deal is averted. Um, he then will uh, pledge a second referendum in a campaign with Labour. Um, He will then go to Europe and negotiate a sensible deal. Um, The referendum that he would then have on it would be the Labour's deal versus Remain, and Corbyn says he would try and be neutral during that campaign, which will frustrate absolutely everybody. Harold Wilson was neutral, wasn't he? Yes, that's, that's what I've been... That's the kind of messaging I've been receiving. He's going to try and be like Harold Wilson in 1975. How dare he? How dare he? The main point they're saying that if the if Labour if the party backs Remain um, after some voting in conference coming up, um, the party will still have all the might of its data and its resources and its money, and the figurehead of Corbyn doesn't matter so much. I disagree. Mm, yes, I yep. disagree as well. Totally. Um, I guess Keir's speech is going to be interesting again. It was very interesting, explosive last year. Well, it was the reaction more than the speech, wasn't it? Brilliant. Brilliant, uh, great conference moment that was. You're not supposed to get a standing ovation, are you? Unless you are. Unless you agree with, uh, yeah, yeah, brother Corbyn. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I yeah, think I'd that. Like that, to that see Tom Watson do. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, I mean Tom that, will, be that will be the reaction to Tom Watson will be absolutely fascinating. Do you think? And we really, really must be quick. But do, do you think that um, Labour, two years on from that, um, that that three and a half hour. Castro-esque speech that that Corbyn did in in Brighton, and I stood through. Um, is Labour starting? Is there a swell of even not even a swell, just a slight hint that there might be some movements behind the scenes to make them a little bit more centrist again, or are they still bonkers lefties? Well, that's my view. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's very hard to see what. I think they're I think coming it's back a little very, bit. Very, very hard to see how the Labour Party are going to have a good a good conference. Oh, they will. Jeremy Corbyn's personal ratings. Yeah, yeah. Mine. I mean, he's, <clears throat> I don't know what the. I don't know what the net is. I think the, the positive is probably about plus twenty one, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. And the negative is probably minus seventy. So it's. Yeah, yeah. So it's a net of around minus fifty. It is that is a, a negative. Seventy percent of the country have got a negative opinion about Jeremy Corbyn. Is is a disaster. I think it's shocking. It's only seventy percent. And look at these. And look at the, the, the these two last polls. Um, the the one poll where the Lib Dems have overtaken Labour mm. and are on twenty four percent. They're a point ahead and they're nine points behind the, the Tories. And then the other the other one. They're still up three, the Lib Dems. Mm. They're one point behind Labour there. And, well, and Labour are nine points behind the Tories. And it is a shocker. I think yeah. you've got to look at it in, in, in the context of the Lib Dems. Because the Lib Dems, having taken on all these new Tories, or for them what is a massive number of people, um, you know, Labour are, when you're talking about them being more left-wing, I mean, Labour are then given the space to point at that. And to burnish their, you know, they, they've got the room to talk about left-wing values, even if, frankly, that's not the issue that should be on the table for mm. them. It should be whether they they, they campaign for Remain. Um, but they, I think, they have the space at least because they can point at the Lib Dems and say, "Well, look, you're just yellow Tories." Yeah, 
Yeah. I think it's interesting that they, you know, there, there has been a bounce for the Lib Dems out of this conference, largely because the press has been so yes. negative about about it. The, the feedback is, you know, she has made a strategic mistake, Joe jo Swinson, and we've got letters in the New European from... You know, from actual, this pe- is, uh, actual this is people about ig- saying ignore, this. Ignoring completely the... about Well, it's about being a party of revoke. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's you would expect Labour to come out and there, there to be a lot of talk about Joe Swinson and austerity and Joe Swinson mm. student loans and people like Philip Lee and his voting record and people mm. that they've welcomed into the, yeah. to the party. But, I, you know, I've got to say, I, I think that that was the, probably the only thing that Joe Swinson could do and it gives them the Lib Dems. It gives them a clear offer. They're clearly yeah. not that interested in any other Tory switchers. Oh, right, yes. They are clearly interested in bringing over more Labour Remainers and Labour Revokers. And I'm, what I'm, the not, Tories. I'm not sure what Corbyn could do to, especially if you're talking about. I'll, I will be neutral in you know. Well, what's what's his offer going to be? Well, well, I would. Uh, I would always oh, banning private schools. <laughs> They're going to ban private schools. Well, not quite. Not but, quite. Um, uh, the, the, that's a story. That's a that's a conversation for another podcast, I think. But the Tories obviously will see votes Swinson get Corbyn, won't they, to try and stop their voters going over to the Lib Dems? I think. No, they will. Yeah. And and what Labour will just say this is this a wasted vote? It'd be a pointless vote to vote Lib Dem. But I think people are people are now getting used to hung parliaments, narrow parliaments, not the two-party system. Because mm. mm. it's worked so well for us. Um, exactly, yeah. So I think the, the vote... And I think people will know that if there is a hung parliament in which, you know, there's a chance of a Lib Dem... Lib Lab Pact. then Jeremy Corbyn won't be in charge of it. I think also this Article really 15 vote promise does something... I mean, it's, it's, it's something she can't... Um, she can't win an election with that, and she knows she can't win an election. And as James Ball has a brilliant article about this, by the way, in, in the New European see today. See him at Podcast Live October the 5th. And you can see him there, and he might even talk to you about that as well. But um, what, it, what it does is, you know, if, if on the back of that promise, which she cannot possibly actually lead government with, um, she gets a few more MPs, she gets a few more seats, and then she joins a, a Labour pact, she can then use that as an extremely powerful leverage mm. tool mm. to say, look what I achieved on the basis, frankly, a ridiculous promise to overturn the, the referendum. I mean, mm. even I think that. Um, <laughs> it's a bit I like mean, Boris I, I Johnson going to vote on her confidence like it, so, you know, I can see, I can, You can see the obvious arguments against it. This is it. fascinating. So a Lib, um, so a lib Lab pact, uh, Swinson says, yeah, we'll do mine. it, but we ain't having Corbyn. Yeah. Who would she agree to? Well, I think she might agree to almost anybody else. But don't don't you think even somebody yeah. from the Corbyn wing, even you know, Angela Rayner's Rebecca Longbailey, Thornberry, John McDonnell, only Kia could do it. Well, it might be the beginning of a brighter future for all of us. Well, it might be. We're going to have to wrap up the news there, guys. Thank you so much. That was fascinating, and uh, we'll be back in a second with Brexit of the week. Order. The Prime Minister will be aware that Podcast Live Politics will return to London on Saturday, October 5th. In, indeed, uh, I imagine uh, people in this house uh, will enjoy uh, seeing Chopper's Brexit podcast and the uh, Delling pod, uh, whilst the Honourable Gentleman will no doubt enjoy seeing polling politics uh, to see how badly he and his party are doing. Typical Tory bluster. 
I believe the Prime Minister would benefit from seeing the new European podcast, UK in a Changing Europe, and to think about Ian Dale and Jackie Smith's For the Many. Order! Whether the House wishes to see talking politics or escape Brexit with the week unwrapped, there will be plenty of room for everyone. Even the Liberal Democrats can see Never Mind the Bar Charts. And all of these podcasts are live in London on October 5th. Indeed, tickets are available now from podcastlive.com. Unlock! Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. Mia has left us, but Steve is here doing I'm Brexiteer here. of the Week. Uh, and as has uh, become common, I would like to start by bigging up my own column in the print edition <laughs> yeah, of the it's New European. Yeah, mentioned. And online. Yeah. Uh, Did you put it online yourself? No. <laughs> the uh, talent. I had something to do that for <laughs> me. Something to do um, and uh, this week we are discussing the 140 million... Pound government get ready for Brexit campaign. Are you ready for Brexit? I am ready. You are ready. Yeah. What have you, know, have you actually done anything? I did ask you and Jerry this week, this uh, a few weeks ago. Yes. No, I haven't done anything. <coughs> I, uh, I am not ready for Brexit. Um, however, Michael Gove. Yeah. This was sparked off by an interview with Michael Gove um, a couple of weeks ago, I think, yeah. where somebody said, "Who is this all in aid of?" And he said, "Oh, it's well, it's for everybody, really. Hauliers, business people." Um, truck drivers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it isn't really for them, is it? it? It is for when he said it's for everyone, from hauliers to business people. What he meant was it was for everybody, because, as I will explain in this piece, which you should read, um, there is a thing called the uh, psychologists call it the illusion of truth effect, and mm. it basically is if you keep repeating something, yeah. And you keep saying it loudly. The way our minds work is that if you hear a repeated message, even if you think it's untrue, yeah. you gradually begin to... It, it becomes easier to, to pass in your mind yeah. than a new fact. Yeah. Um, so you gradually become more and more familiar with it. And as you do, the more and more you absorb that it, it's true. So yeah. this cam- this campaign is about getting the wider audience to believe that we are leaving on October the 31st and there's nothing anyone can do about it. I was driving through the um, Suffolk. Yes. Driving through the Suffolk. They call it the Suffolk. The Suffolk, yeah. And I was uh, just the other day, and they've got some very controversial big, you know, those big black electronic Yeah, dot matrix the, variable message signs. Yeah, they've got cool. some very... They were controversial at the time because they were very expensive to put in. Yeah. And they were very also, rarely people used. people in Suffolk worship them as gods. <laughs> Is this, is this a message from the... People were sort of stopped on the motorway and were bowing to them. There is that. It's not, there, it's not true, there people. There is that I love as well. But they, um, they said, uh, on, on the one that I passed the other day, it said, Hall, I didn't quite say Hollyers beware, but yeah. Hollyers note, yeah. um, you know, changes on November the 1st, May. Exactly. You know, yeah, so, so yeah. they're using them for Brexit now. They are, yeah. And this is not just a feeling that I've had in my brain, by the way. Um, there's there is some actual Brexit. research. Is Brexit really just in your head? There's also is this all a con- if you're going to wake up like, like Bobby Ewing? It's like the end of St Elsewhere. Do you remember that? No. So St Elsewhere was a popular uh, medical drama, wasn't it? Or was it ER? Oh no, maybe it wasn't St ER. Elsewhere. Are you thinking of either, thirty something? Either ER or St Elsewhere. Please write in Where's and tell her, us yeah. uh, which one of this, it, this it was. About nine series of this hospital drama. 
Can't in, the last, in the last episode, it turned out to have all been a dream in the mind of a child with Down syndrome, I believe. Wow. Uh, so an w- incredible, you... um, I think one of, pretty much one of the poorest endings. Yeah, that's of, poor. You know. But would you happily well, wake up... with Seinfeld and, um, you know, other controversial endings. Would you happily wake up tomorrow and it's June 23rd, oh, night in God, that would be so 2016? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a warm day, that as well. It was, yeah. It was a, what a day that was. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, there, so there are some, uh, there is some data to back this up. Um, we've looked at some... Um, to back up of, that it's all a dream. Yeah. <laughs> we've looked at some social media campaigns. They're not very well targeted. And in fact, dear New European podcast listener, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that if you listen to our last two episodes, and maybe even this episode... What was the advert at the start of it? It was a get ready for Brexit uh, campaign advert paid for by the government. I well, think they need by a the way, eight single. We can't do anything about this. No. These adverts, they are pre roll adverts. We've got no control over no, them. No. They just come in. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they are doing a get ready for Brexit I advert, you know, I would love it if our audience was comprised of business people and hauliers and lorry drivers, <laughs> but I am not entirely sure that it is. I think they should do a hit single, a version of uh, Get Ready. Well, that would be good. Get ready, here Brexit comes. Govey. Get, Get ready. ready. Yeah, it'd be great. You know, it'd be like when football teams used to do singles, they'd have all the cabinet in the background and they'd all do a line each. I'm bringing you a Brexit truth, <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> Anyway, the Brexiteers of the week, do you want to know who they are? I do, I we, do. There are so many debacles in Brexit that we've not even mentioned. <laughs> debacles in this the, podcast. That the Prime Minister of Great Britain and Northern Ireland went to Luxembourg yes. and was empty podiumed. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a general humiliation. Uh, we've not even mentioned that. And um, it's just incredible, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, we'll start with Steve Barclay. Yes, please. He's the Brexit Secretary. He is. Uh, he was hailed on his by the people of Suffolk. He was a, he's, don't worry about him. He's very bright, they said, and he's a smart technocrat. And all of this might be true. He's a Cambridge graduate. Mm. He's a qualified solicitor. Mm. And despite all of this, I've he worked appeared, with solicitors. He appeared on Sophie Ridge on Sunday, and he said the Hulk was a winner. The Hulk was extremely popular. I'd rather be backing a character and a leader who's the Hulk than one who's on chicken run like Jeremy Corbyn is. He's 47 years old and he's spewing out this word minestrone. And it just makes you... It just makes you yearn for the days of sensible Brexit secretaries like David Davis and Dominic Raab who, who didn't understand that we were reliant on the Dover-Calais crossing. Could... could, could um... Could Steve Barker kill you with his little finger, like DD? He could do, yeah, yeah. Um, Boris Johnson, obviously we need to mention him in, in the Brexiteers of the week. He, um, at that Luxembourg summit, yeah. did, did you know this? This is one of, one of the great details of the week. He slumped in his chair at this Luxembourg summit when it was pointed out that they, they, they said, this, this is our great new ruse to beat the backstop. We're going to have Northern Ireland observing EU rules uh, on food and livestock. And they, when the, the EU apparently said, well, that's brilliant, isn't it? But, of course, the vast majority of all customs checks are not on food and livestock. So what are you going to do about that? And he, he went, what? And they went, yeah, there's, that's only about 8 20%. <laughs> 
twenty percent of it, and then he said, <laughs> and then he turned round to Steve Barclay and, and David Frost, the chief negotiator, and said, "Are you telling me the plan doesn't solve the, the, the customs problem?" To which they had to say yes. Although he could have said, "Hulk, no understand complexity of single market issue." Hulk, very sad. Um, Liz Truss. Yeah, it's customs. He's close. Ping off. He does, yeah, that's it, yeah. Uh, Liz Truss. Now, two things have happened to Liz Truss this week. Well, there are more than two things. Um, She's probably only noticed two of them. But who among us... She had to apologise, didn't she, for the UK's accidentally sold some arms to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And to be fair, who among us hasn't had a few drinks (laughs) after the office, gone home, you get the laptop out, don't you? And then, bang. Get on know. eBay. And then, after a bit, you're selling arms to, to Saudi Arabia. But the, thing the other that, thing... The thing that I love about... And I, Liz Truss sends out press releases like normal people eat hot dinners. Good. Right. She, okay. And every one of them is, has attached a glamorous picture of Liz Truss. Yes. And when she apologised, I was awaiting the... I'm sorry about that. Whoops. But I, I was expecting her to be straddling a missile, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> well, but she, I mean, that didn't come, but she did go off to Australia, of course, and I did get glamorous pictures of her in Australia. Was, they were good pictures yeah, as well, yeah, weren't yeah. they? Uh, her other thing was is the failure of her Brexit voucher scheme. Do you yeah. know about this? She'd been collecting the coal. Buzz, lead to BuzzFeed. <laughs> uh, and she proposed a plan in which SMEs, which are small and medium-sized enterprises, so small and medium-sized businesses, they they export to the EU, they would each get a voucher for £1,500, and they could use that to pay for advice... (laughs) In Matalan. Or in Matalan. And they could use it to pay for advice from lawyers and accountants. Right. Uh, And she said that this plan would cost £30 million. And uh, this idea was... V- proposed and then quickly scrapped. Uh, they said that it would been scrapped because no, there was no targeting, no checks. So some of these smaller media enterprises <laughs> who might know lawyers or they might know accountants would just say, "I've got, I've been given a free fifteen hundred quid here. If you sign this bit of paper, I'll give you seven hundred and fifty quid each." You know, uh, so it was. It was it was scrapped. That and was there was the, a glamorous picture of her going, whoops, with her thumbs that down. That was the stated reason for it being scrapped. <coughs> but perhaps the actual stumbling block is that there are 5.7 million SMEs <laughs> in the UK. Wonder. 8% <laughs> of them export to Europe. So instead of it being 30 million, the actual cost was £684 million. Pounds. And this trust is always telling us how good she is with numbers. £654 million quid out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nigel Farage, he's not been on it for a while, the Brexiteer yeah. of the Week, has he? The nicotine stain man from. Yeah, yeah. He uh, announced last Friday that he was boycotting the BBC. Yeah. He said, I'm boycotting the BBC now. Does he pay his license? I got treated like a war criminal. <laughs> which, you know, I you doubt might, that. He's been on Question Time 35 thought, times. I thought he might have liked. How many times have he we said seen... I was, when I went on Andrew Marr during the European election campaign, I was treated like a war criminal. You what? thought I was at Nuremberg. <laughs> and he said, I'm boycott- I've am i been boycotting uh, BBC, and I've been boycotting them ever since. And it is uh, a, the most interesting sort of boycott, because two days earlier, he'd been on live on the Andrew Neil show, which the last time I looked was on the BBC. Yeah, yeah. 
And then he's also, I don't know, did you see him on the Andrew Neil show? Didn't, I haven't seen He was giving a speech from outside a social club. Uh, where presumably was it like Brexit party rally? No way! I'm not somewhere opens late. It wasn't like that. But a man halfway through his interview, a man came out and stood behind him, and he was wearing a T-shirt that said "Keep the immigrants, deport all racists," which I thought was very funny. Nigel Farage then on Monday did quite an hour, I think about an hour of his LBC show, saying why the why does the BBC give so much airtime to Anna Subri? Maybe she's boycotting them as well. Maybe that. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, uh, I'm boycotting you. I'm boycotting this podcast. I've been boycotting this podcast for ages. Yeah, but yeah. I keep coming. We do on treat it. you like a war criminal when you come on. Here. But the Brexiteer of the week is the old lunch and meat statue of Penfold. The old Brexity Benny the Ball from Top Cat. It's Mark Francois. Oh, yeah. He is he living. Like him, he? <laughs> he is living his best life, isn't he? He really is, yeah. Uh, Appeared on Politics Live. Uh, let's be honest. Few politicians have made the most of prorogation. You know, but Mark Francois is out there living his best life. He appeared on Politics Live. He said, if the UK doesn't leave uh, on October the 31st, the UK will explode. <laughs> he was photographed out in Rayleigh in Essex. Walking in and out of pubs dressed as a police officer wearing a stab vest. What? And Essex police have had to put a statement out. I'm reading this. We can confirm that Mark Francois, the MP for Rayleigh and Wickford, is not a police officer. (laughs) He joined our officers to see their work work they're doing and we gave him the wrong jacket. (laughs) But what really? He did. No, he didn't have a hat, but he did have a stab vest on. What really? Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not that rough there. Was he wearing a stab vest? I don't know, in spoons. You never know, do you? But anyway, what really caught my eye was this story in his local paper. He's given loads of stories about what he's been up to to his local paper to show he's not idle. The Lee (laughs) Times, I think it's called. And uh, this is my favourite one. Mark Francois popped in to visit Deliveroo's UK headquarters in the city of London recently when he was travelling into Westminster on a Monday morning. Now, if you're being cynical, you might question why Mark Francois, who's the MP for Rayleigh and Wickford in Essex, uh, would take such a keen interest in a food delivery service that's based an hour's drive away from Rayleigh and Essex. And you might say, has Mark Francois, who's... 2004 to 2008 expenses included stuff like Mars bars, Pringles, Starburst, Pepperami, Snickers, Kit Kats, Twiglets and Jaffa Cakes. You might say, well, he's just in it for, you know, for the food, isn't he? Um, (laughs) But Mark Francois says, in this quote that he's given to the Lee Times, I know from chatting to constituents that Deliveroo are certainly pretty popular in Essex, so I thought it made sense to visit them. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. And next week, I believe he's going on a fact-finding mission to the Whitehall McDonald's to see how that works. <laughs> uh, so Mark Francois on his Brexiteer of the Week. What should the listener, Steve, do right now? Don't bang your oh, elbow like you just done. Just smash me funny bone. Oh, dear, oh, oh dear. We're in a new studio. Well, we're in a temporary studio, we're aren't we? We're in a temporary we? studio. And Ahead of, t- we're getting better equipment we're next getting week. We're getting good equipment next week. And, it, and it's, it's tiny. It Steve is tiny. sat on my lap. 
I am. And I've just bashed my elbow. Come and see us at Politics Live. Go to politicslive.com and you can buy tickets there. Which includes the brilliant Bonnie Green. And the great James Ball. Great James Ball. On the ball, James. Oh, he's on the ball. James, on the ball. Uh, And... um, (laughs) You can um, give us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice. Please do. Uh, that would be very nice. You can join the New European Facebook group, Readers uh, Group on Facebook. Do it. You can like the New European on Facebook. You can go to the Twitter. You can follow the New European at the New European. You can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porritz, T. I did actually forget one. That was great. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening. If you haven't already, go and buy the print product. It is £3. It's in all good news agents. It's another cracking issue. It's not just politics and Brexit, though. Oh, no. There is arts and culture as well. You will love it. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.